Why did the UCP not update it? The same fucking reason no one else did. No one's consciously looking at these documents saying like some of the things that the Nazis did were good. I'm saying that there is just a like a subconscious built into how we as a country view all of it. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash Forgotten Corner Pod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on the Métis Nation within Region 3. The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. If you'd like to check out other progressive podcasts from across the country, click the link that we will provide in our show notes. My name is Scott Schmidt. I'm here alongside my two co-hosts for the week, Jeremy Appel and Roberta Lexier. Dr. Roberta Lexier, let's get this shit right. How are you guys doing? Jeremy, I'll say hi to you first. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's, it's going all right. Um, uh, quitting uh, social media is very hard. I will say that it's, uh, but I mean, it's, good. it's actually I mean, like the quitting part's easy. It's the staying off of it. I think. Well, well, <laughs> well yeah. And I mean, I'm going to be back like December 1st. Um, you know, don't, don't you worry, uh, listeners. Um, we're on bated breath. Everybody yeah, awaits. No, I know I'm not missing anything, but like, and, and, and I know the, 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 the hard part is just my brain, like repairing itself in, getting used to how like the human mind is supposed to function and not being like constantly like stimulated by like shitty takes. But um, yeah, it's not, you know, I I've quit smoking before and uh, I, you know, I, I would compare it to that, but there's no like equivalent of like a nicotine patch for social, like, I guess maybe like compulsively checking your email would be, um, sort of the equivalent which is what which I is do now. clearly what you're doing yeah well you know I, I keep up with the newsletters i subscribe to and uh um yeah but i i have been reading a lot more roberta you'll be pleased to know i just finished um well i'm caught up well actually that's a lie i'm not caught up with uh our book club book but i just finished uh seven fallen feathers by tenya um talaga um which I got when I was in medicine hat and she spoke at the college. Uh, great book, highly recommend it. Uh, you know, five out of five. Um, and so that's been good. That's that, that, that's sort of the bright side. Um, being able to read like, like I used to before I was like a total like uh, online uh, dweeb, but yeah, no, I mean, things have been pretty good. Uh, got a lot of uh freelance assignments coming up that uh you know people uh may you have journalism coming down the pipeline 
I do. I do. I, uh, well, I'll, 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 at the end of the episode, I'll, I'll, uh, um, oh, I just, I bet you Mo's already checked out. <laughs> 50, 50 bucks says he's gone already. Yeah. Well, um, I could, he's not answering. So, oh, damn it. He hates us. Anyway. Well, he's going to miss a great conversation. Um, but yeah, no, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I'm, uh, just trying to 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 fix my brain before I damage it again for you know the other eleven months of the year. So it's just this is a one month break and then you're back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's hard too. Like uh <laughs> well I already said that, but like I, I mean it's especially difficult as 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 a journalist when people are like sending you tweets all the time and it's like stop. Um, but I mean, I just, I think it's generational maybe. Cause like, I love quitting social media. It's the fucking best. Like whenever I take a break, it's like my favorite time. Oh, why don't I do that more often? I have to like talk myself into coming back to looking at Twitter. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy not getting angry about stupid shit. That's definitely a plus. I mean, that, I think that I think you described my favorite thing about Twitter. Like, that's the only thing I like about it is I can go and be like fucking pieces of shit everywhere. Um, anyways, I'm gonna say hi to Roberta now. Roberta, hi. how's it going? <laughs> how are you? How are how I are have, you? I have not quit Twitter, um, but I did quit Facebook long ago, and I don't miss it at all. But I wonder with Jeremy, partly we don't need to continue talking about this, but I wonder if the generational thing is that you know, social media is a, a way to connect with people. And now you're not talking to the people you normally might talk to on Twitter, for example. And so what I would say to our listeners is maybe, uh, you know, send Jeremy a little text message or something and let them know you're thinking about them. And yeah, send me an email or even better than sending me an email is uh, if you want to hear my thoughts, you can sign up for my <laughs> newsletter. Um the orchard at appellorchard.substack.com. I know one person sitting here uh, doesn't subscribe, so you know, I I, I would invite them to. Um, and yeah, but or you can shoot me an email, uh, shoot me a text. Um, I do miss the DMs. I miss my DMs a lot. If you're listening and you're in a DM with me, um, I miss you. Jeremy's lonely, I guess, is our point here. So reach out to Jeremy and make him lo- know he's loved. You're loved, Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks, Roberta. But a, a great way uh, to show you love me is to subscribe to my news. <laughs> Fair enough. Getting on it. Somebody that listens asked me, like, how come nobody ever asks you how you're doing? Like, Mo asked you last week, and I was like, holy shit, no one ever asks him. And I just realized that, like, after I ask you guys, the show's pretty much over. So I don't want to talk about how uh, how I'm doing because we're what? How, how long are we in here, Mo? 15 minutes? We haven't even started the show yet? Well, I know you're doing well, Scott. I don't need to ask. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't need to talk about myself. It's good. We're good. Um, anyway, uh, let's get on with the show because I really want to talk about something today um, and hash this out because... As the story goes this week, um, it was shown that in our curriculum, in the curriculum, that there was uh, a suggestion, basically, that you would suggest that you tell both sides, the good and the bad that come from um, everybody that was involved in 
the the wars world war ii specifically so the example that was given was that when you teach about the atrocities that the nazis committed do you also tell people that hey by the way the german economy was booming before the war yeah the economy that that thing that is very real right and we should care about right so um what i wanted to talk about today was because Obviously, uh, I don't think anybody doesn't know the story now, but the it, it's come out initially. You know, the ministry, education ministry, education minister Adriana Lagrange said didn't know anything about this. Blah blah blah. Now they're taking it out, right? And it's been in there. A version of this has been in there for since 1984, is at least as far back as we can see it. And I'm I I would argue, and I will argue during this episode just that, like that book by uh joe orwell well i i would just argue that this teaching this mindset existed long long before 1984 so anyway uh and then 2020 you know there was an update there's been a few updates along the way but in 2020 there was the most recent update and i believe they changed the word from german to nazis so they added the nazis part at the beginning of that and then it's the second part is but the german governments or the germany germany economy is that correct so they amended it that was their 2020 amendment i'm not sure what the 2020 but it had the thing is it has been amended since 1984 right they just haven't um removed the substance of what that's saying which is a you know both sides approach to right? right that it while um you know if you're going to explain the horrors of nazism and the holocaust you have to also or not you you should also tell people about the good things the nazis did like for the economy right and and it goes on to also talk about uh treatment of indigenous people which it was uh updated um in more recent years to use the terminology f uh f and mi first nations metis and inuit um, it also says when you're talking about mistreatment of them by uh, Caucasians with a capital C, which seems uh, like some pretty dated terminology to me, that you also should talk about uh, the Caucasians who were opposed to this. Um, and, and I think in isolation, I mean, obviously, in, in Roberta, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong as a historian, that you do want to provide context when you're talking about history. You do want to explain why people support the Nazis. You do want to explain that there were uh, settler Canadians who were opposed to this, uh, you know, um, genocidal enterprise, like what Tyler Shipley does in his book. But um, it has to be done in a way where it's not like okay here's one side here's the other who's right right i mean it's all part of the same thing yeah i mean i think well we're going to get into connecting this to to shipley in our book club discussion last week and and kind of the the reality of the historical context but before we do that i just want to mention one thing i find really fascinating about this is that 
the the section of the curriculum that this came from it's it's a set of guidelines for recognizing diversity and promoting respect so this is like the chunk of what you're supposed to be doing in these lessons is helping to recognize diversity and promote respect um, and then what it does is it says in order to do that promote respect and recognize diversity we have to address both the positive and negative um, behaviors is the word they use of various groups within our society. So it becomes this, um, this way to, to talk with students about how, you know, everybody has a good side and a bad side, or there's a good side, and a bad side to everything. And so, um, as Jeremy said, you know, one of the things included in that section is about um, the, the genocide against indigenous peoples in Canada, um, and doing a both side ism there where it's, you know, um, sure, maybe we um, destroyed entire cultures and civilizations. But on the other hand, um, I don't know. I don't know what positives there are there. And I really hate that we do that. But well, that's what are you talking kind of about? We, we gave them civilization, remember? Well, exactly. We like brought we, them into this. In, like we, we, we introduced them to all this wonderful technology and all these, these capitalism things. Is, and God. That's right. what we gave. Them, and that's apparently. kind of what I wanted to talk about today was my point in this is that I and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way that's listening. But the reaction that this got, the, 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 the points that were being made were missing an opportunity. Like to pin this on the UCP and make this about the United Conservatives being pro-Nazi, which is really essentially how Twitter went, is it's a mistake because that's, that's, not, that's not fair. You can oppose, you can talk about where they went wrong without being silly about it. So they had an update to something that's existed for a really long time. And we can absolutely have a conversation about how the UCP had an opportunity to get rid of that and didn't. But the point I wanna make today is that this is how, what, this is sort of how we have looked at uh, sort of Nazi Germany or, or anything like our own atrocities for decades. This is the this wasn't to, to, to tell people about the German economy being booming before the 40s. You can there's reasons for it. One, obviously, we want, like Jeremy said, we want to tell people why German people might have fallen for the Nazi regime, right? Like, why did why did they have so much support while well, the country was doing fairly well? But this is capitalism against capitalism. That's what was the point about Shipley's book, right? It was just two capitalist empires finally coming together in, in a war, right? And so we had no problem with the German economy or how they operated their, what they were doing. They, the, the fact that a capitalistic empire had to expand, we were fine with that, right? As long as they expanded in the other direction, as a country. So it's not shocking to me that decades later, we still teach in schools that like, let's not, you know, let's, let's make sure we don't cast a negative shadow on, on the system, capitalism, right? Because capitalism is wonderful. It's a great, it's, it's the be all and end all. It's just that these guys killed Jews. And that's a super simplistic way to look at it because as Shipley's book is trying to sort of explain to us is that like, we were pretty fucking pro the whole goddamn thing until we weren't. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what's important in all of this is that, um, and that what Shipley really, really highlights is that when capitalism is in crisis, as it was in the 30s and as it is now, the response to that is to try anything possible to save capitalism, in particular to save capitalism from communism or from workers revolting against the system. And so fascism is what kind of emerges out of that process of trying to save capitalism, that we build a different kind of economy that becomes hyper-masculine, hyper-nationalist, um, very um, sort of exclusive to, to various groups. Um, and we implement this system as a way to um, counter the rise of workers' movements and communism and to keep capitalism operating. And it was quite successful in, in Germany in, in some ways. And I think, Scott, you make a good point about like, if we critique that, then what we're critiquing is our own system, our own capitalist system. Now I have two issues with that one, like, I think you're right. And we need to talk about that a bit further. One slight complication I think we have to talk about right from the beginning is that even in the early days of the Nazi regime and the, the kind of rise of this economic powerhouse that they built, it was always done on the root, on the backbone of exclusionary policies. So it's not like the killing of the, the communists and the killing of the Jews and the 11 million people that died across Eastern and Central Europe um, came like late in the process. It's that right from the beginning, their quote, saving of the capitalist economy was rooted in these exclusionary policies, stealing wealth from the Jews, stealing, um, you know, jobs from from other groups, um, the same as, you know, the Europeans came and stole land from indigenous peoples. So right from the beginning, it's still that same problem that we're going to have later with the Nazis in that they killed a whole bunch of people. But we have to kind of ignore that at the beginning, because we were doing the same things in Canada. You know, we also built our economy on the backbone of other peoples leading to their genocide, you know, and so it's, it's that that issue that, you know, fascism's okay, until it comes into conflict with our own interests. And, and that's, I think, what's interesting about this curriculum piece, is that they have to acknowledge that, you know, at the beginning, it's kind of the same as our system. And if we talk too much about that, suddenly, we're now saying maybe it's our system that's a problem, too. Yeah, I, I want to go back to, to talking specifically about the uh, uh, the uh, Albert education document because, and again, I haven't been on Twitter. Thankfully, I haven't seen the. But you know, you know what we're what everyone's saying about everything because everyone's just playing a role on social media that you know this uh, creating this you know, fostering this image they've created for themselves and the you know this sentiment. And, and correct me if I'm wrong if people haven't been uh, expressing this, is that if the NDP, this would never happen. Such a document would never exist if uh, the NDP were in power. It's not as if they've said that outright, but it's the way that they react to yeah, well, the you know, in, in, they're, in, they're making the implication that the NDP would yeah, never yeah. do something. And, and, like and, and, you know, people send me tweets, right? So I've seen some of it. Uh, if you're listening, please stop doing that. Um, but... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is that this document did exist when the NDP were in power. Right. It was updated while the NDP were in power, and that part was not removed. So it's more than a bit rich for Sarah Hoffman to go and say how disgusting, and I forget right. the exact adjective she used to describe this document, when it's like, well, you were in charge of Alberta education, so uh, you're also implicated in this. Um and I mean, I, I was talking with uh, Carla Peck, who we've had on the show before, very smart person, um, about this. And she, for a piece I did for the Alberta Jewish News, it didn't make it into the piece, but um, she pointed out again that that the you know the government says that this part of the document just wasn't updated, but other parts of the document were updated, as we said before. So why wasn't that part? removed to reflect the times uh and i think that's a valid question but i also yeah i i i i tend to agree that but the the answer this, to the this doesn't question, reflect the ucp's ideology as much the answer as it to reflects the first, canada's the answer to your question is the second part of the question that your answer that's my point the answer is that this is just how like it isn't a UCP thing. Why did the UCP not update it? The same fucking reason no one else did. No one's consciously looking at these documents saying like some of the things that the Nazis did were good. I'm saying that there's just a like a subconscious built into how we ha as a country view all of it. I learned about how booming it was and how good the economy was and all of these things. So we've been teaching this for a very long time and it's not a conscious thing to be apologists with Nazis. It's just that they were capitalists just like we are. We called, they were fascists, but that was just capitalism in crisis, right, Roberta? Yeah, I mean, basically what happens is that capitalism crashes. We have the, the stock market crashing in the 20s. Germany had suffered greatly under the, the end of World War I. All these things are, are happening. And basically the way they built up their economy was very much a, a militarized economy. So it was about rebuilding their, their um, military capacity capacity um, after World War One, but it was also done in ways we're seeing, I think, reflected now as well, where it becomes incredibly exclusionary, um, where it's only a, a small group of people who are meant to, to benefit from this, um, and we have to push out everybody else. So in our case, it's largely immigrants or people of color. Um, in those days, um, in Germany in particular, it was um, Jews, but also um, many other people. Um, it becomes like this small small cadre of people who are going to succeed here. Um, and it's really based on, um, you know, stealing other people's um, wealth and scapegoating individuals um, to be able to, to recollect that kind of profit margin that, that capitalism had lost. And I think, you know, what I think hits me so hard with all of this is that it's happening again now, that it's really clearly what we're going through again, where as capitalism's in crisis, the response by many groups, we can see it in Hungary, the United States, Brazil, all over the world has been this kind of um, fascist, nationalist, um, patriarchal, militarized um, capitalism, where it's about kind of regaining power and control for a small group of people. Right. So we'll keep out the immigrants, we'll keep out the others. But for 
for us, we're going to benefit. And so that's what was happening really in Germany. Like it's, it's the way they saved capitalism was by militarizing and by stealing from other people and by pushing down the communists and really like forcing any revolutions from, from manifesting in any way. And, and because it was too, forces attempting the same thing coming together like the the british has been and it was a expanding empire long before freaking world war ii this is the whole point like why do you think we're here right now where we are in in the land called canada right this is what we talked about this on this show it wasn't empty when we got here we came here and got rid of the people that were here one way or another and it doesn't it becomes irrelevant whether you murdered them or moved them out of the way. And it's no different than what Germany was doing. And so when we say, when we talk about the fact that like, that's why I love the, the, I just think it's so non-surprising that we would teach that their economy was good, but that we went to war because of this, because you can't, you can't tell people that we were just, like the real reasons why we actually went to war with these people. So you, you, you separate the fact that they had this great economy, but they were also killing Jews instead of showing, like you're saying that one was the other. They couldn't have the booming economy. They couldn't have the expanding empire without the, the removal or moving out of the way of people. Well, and this is this is what we've talked about before on this this show, too, is how, you know, capitalism is is ever expanding and ever growing. And, and what that means is that it's going to come into conflict when there's different groups, both or multiply all of them trying to multiply their power and their their control. They're going to come into conflict. And so as we talked about in our last book club episode, you know, the only reason Britain and then Canada goes to war against Germany is that Germany had finally expanded just too far. It had nothing to do with, you know, the murder of Jews or communists or gypsies or any of the other people. It had nothing to do with some sort of ethical thing. I think Shipley says something like Canada went um, uh, it, it sort of ended up doing the right thing, but not for the right reasons. Like we ended up doing a good thing, but we did it for ridiculous reasons, which was just to protect our own capitalist empire. And so I think this is where that rhetoric around World War II gets so complicated because we have to claim that we were the good guys, right? We have to say we did the right thing because we asked a whole bunch of people to sacrifice themselves for this cause. And we want to teach that we did the right thing because that's how history works. But in reality, we're ignoring the whole piece that's at the core of this, which is that we were doing the exact same things to the exact same people or different groups of people, but for the same reasons. Um, And it was only when those came into conflict that we finally said, okay, we better do something about this. And that's why we have to have the both sides arguments that have existed forever, right? Trump wasn't the first person to say good people on both sides. Because, no, absolutely not. Well, because- Justin Trudeau uh, recently said, uh, not that there are good people on both sides, but there are extremists on both sides. And then right. his, uh, you know, he was asked to clarify it and he was just like, no. 
Right. I'm not going to do that because our society is very both sidey lately. Like that's been the, the, the modus operandi for a very long time now as a way to discredit the reality. Like we do this with climate change also that we'll say, well, you know, yeah, scientists are saying there's climate change, but on the other side, there's also scientists saying there isn't climate change, except that it's like, this small, tiny, like one person left now in the world saying that there's no climate change as a scientist. Um, but we've given that balance. We always have to balance and everything, right? COVID, we have to balance the opinions of those who don't want more measures against those who do want more measures when that's bullshit. Like we don't need to balance anything, but our society is very much about balancing because when we do that, we can undercut the opposition to the things that should never be balanced. Like talking about Nazis, we should never say that their economy was great. There was a good thing to the Nazis because for one thing, their economy wasn't great. It was horrifying. It was built on the backs of all sorts of people and death and destruction and the stealing of massive amounts of wealth, but also, you know, it's a way to, to undercut opposition as a whole to the Nazis by saying, well, you know, they weren't that bad. They, they were just kind of a little bad, but both sides are, are acceptable to talk about. Sorry. I, I heard most of that. I was also just quickly, uh, like literally while we were recording, we, I got, we just received an email from, um, one of our, um, top patrons talking about thanking us for the book club episode, the last one, and talking about um, how timely it was leading up into Remembrance Day and whatnot, and talking, even mentioned the movie that you had talked about that, like joking about Mel Gibson, just saying like, in spite of that, it is a movie worth watching and what, anyway, point being is that um, the one line that was said in this email just now was that uh, I can't, I can't look at this day the same way or whatever anymore. And I really wanted to address that a little bit really quickly. Are, are just you going to tell us who the email is from? Well, I don't know if I don't, that's not fair to the person, right? Like, I don't know. That's a private email that they sent to us. I'm not trying to. Okay. Well, you, you can know tell what I mean? So I'm, I'm just trying to, I just, I just, it brings the point up because I had the same thing coming into it. I've, I've had like almost disdain for Remembrance Day at times in, in my life, right? And I I had a really sort of a, a, because of reading this book, I had a more interesting viewpoint on it this year, I found, because a lot of, like, if you go into, if you're wearing a poppy because you want to remember the humans that, like, gave their lives, like, that, you should do that. Like, that's a crazy thing that they did. And I think that on this show, what we try to expose is that it's dishonoring them to pretend that it was for something it wasn't. It's dishonoring the people that died by saying that they sent that they strictly went off as good versus evil. Because we're not telling the truth about why they died, but I think it's I think it's a an amazing thing to be able to stop once a year and remember that these people still did that. And like Shipley mentions in the book, like a lot of these men, most of these men that went off to die in this war were doing it because they, they thought they were doing the right thing for the right cause, right? And so when we talk about it 100 years later, 75 years later, and we want to talk about how our governments actually took that, like how that war came about, we're trying to honor those people with that as well. And so I just wanted to mention, I just thought it was great that we were having a discussion and like, at least there is one person out there that's uh, 
hearing hearing the discussion and is glad we're having it so anyway hey. i just thought that was well and timely. also i think what what that points to and what we try and talk about on this podcast a lot i think is the difference between the individual and the structural so on the individual level and i said this on remembrance day we should recognize the sacrifices of all of those people who died right. in this war the hundreds of thousands the millions of people civilians 27 million just Soviets, right? Didn't 27 like million Russians die alone? It's a very large number like that, something like that. It's intense. Um, and so we should recognize the mass slaughter that happened and the, the real, I think, just cause that people believed they were fighting for. So I think on an individual level, it's really important to recognize that. But what I try and do in my work, and I think we try and do on the podcast is to pull back from the individual and to look at what the structural forces and structural issues are going on that lead to this war. That, you know, it's not the individuals on the battlefield who were making any of these decisions or causing this to happen right. and are not to blame for what, what occurred. But if we pull back to the structural level, we we can see that what this was was a battle between imperial forces seeking to control capitalist wealth and profit around the world um, and that that is an important part of this story to to recognize and to understand that you know the first world war remembrance day exists because people never wanted it to happen again right like the point of it is to understand why this that up happens. every year like we're not supposed to just do it as like rah rah war and military what it's supposed to be is we never should again. never do this again yeah. never it's, it, again. Was, it was it was never it wasn't lest we forget it was never again never again and and, and what we've done by by pu putting the the focus on the individuals who died is we've eliminated that possibility that they were fighting for that it would never happen again right, right. what they wanted us to do is to understand why these things happen so that we'd stop them from happening in the future I mean, and why they're happening is capitalism and imperialism and colonialism we, we have a columnist in the paper like a, he's a once a week guy or whatever and he's a phd anthropologist in town whatever his stuff is kind of corny but like it's he's usually talking about like you know i can't i can't like sometimes he'll write like i i'm a conservative because the liberals aren't moral like you know weird shit like that right but not that i think like but, but bad bad example or whatever but anyways just now he writes this week or whatever that the literal sentence we'd be speaking german now if or whatever right what i love about what we're doing on this show is we are we're not sitting here going fuck the troops and 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 like this was like that's not the point it, but but to say that there was some risk to the language you'd be like, fucking nonsense right just nonsensical way to look at it. but that's kind of this good it was all about going you know good 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 we got to go fight and while hitler was a shitty dude who needed to be stopped to just say good versus evil is not a very nuanced way to look at why we were there right yes I agree with that. No, um, I think it's also, I was actually, um, uh, I spoke with a, a, a fellow I know actually from Twitter, but we connected offline, uh, but his name is Scott Costin. He's, uh, he's a journalist in uh, Atlantic Canada and uh, he's vet. And I was talking to him about Remembrance Day for the newsletter and um, he was just, 
talking about the ways in which like the military's know-how can be used. I mean, it can be used for whoever the government tells it to, right? So the military could be, it could be a war machine. It can also be a force for peace, right? It can be a climate change fighting machine, it, right? And, and I think that gets lost in a lot of the discourse around Remembrance Day because we're just talking about how um, you know noble these 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 wars they fought in were right um, that um, it misses the sort of uh, transformative potential of uh, veterans and uh, the military uh, as an institution. Well, and I think it also overlooks the reasons people join up into the military and the kind of social forces and economic forces behind that and those decisions, you know, that the military is very much a place for, um, you know, people looking for better economic opportunities and it plays a role in the capitalist system. Um, It doesn't have to necessarily, um, but that's its purpose under our capitalist nationalist system. And so um, naturally we're gonna recognize those things on on Remembrance Day and we're gonna talk about those things because that's its purpose. But that's why I hope what we're trying to do is challenge some of that and say, you know, if you're in the military, maybe you could think about what it is that you're being sent to to fight for or against and why why are we doing these things and and that there's a structural force at play on all of us as as individuals you know and i i was just kind of sitting here thinking i on the spot or whatever right but we have all these you know whenever you talk about canada's role in the war right we're always talking about all these places that we it liberated, right? We liberated Holland. I mean, and it, it just, not that we didn't or wasn't, that wasn't part of it, but that, that we only painted in this picture that we were like the Western world was this sort of superhero like joining of the war. Like we all swooped in as like with our capes on to, to defeat the evil that was doing the thing. And like, you can, that, how does that last for so many decades? It's because there is an element of truth to the fact that, yeah, Hitler was a shit bag. And what he, what he was doing, he was, was a real it, jerk, right? What he was doing at the time was visible to the world. His genocide was visible to the world. That doesn't that. And so it, that was worth stopping for sure. But that doesn't excuse the fact that Canada had quietly done that without the world watching so have the states so had and britain had and really just britain right the british empire ex- expanding around had been doing this for centuries or whatever right long long before world war 2 rolls around and so i just think like I, to tie this back to the very beginning of what we were talking about today i just think that it shows people's i don't want to break I, I hate to use the word brainwash but like the way that people have been taught about uh how canada was in that war allows what we've seen this last week which is for a bunch of progressives to act like the ucp did something pro-nazi that no one else would ever do and make it about that where it's like oh well can't believe the look that lagrange is a as a fucking nazi apologist until we caught her and i just find that that is such a 
like poor way to view this because it's missing the chance for us to say that like for decades and decades and decades like ever since day one of the it all ending we have been selling that that narrative Absolutely. I mean, a couple of things come to mind. I mean, on the one hand, you talk about Canada's portrayed as liberators and more, you know, the freedom fighters. Um, but we did some pretty nasty things during the war, like bombing civilian populations right. to shit uh, throughout Germany. Um, you know, there was a lot of sexual assault and violence. You know, Canadian troops were not like I, not to disparage individuals, but as a whole, you know, they did the things that military forces do when they're right. in the midst of a fight like this. And so we should acknowledge that you know take the good with the bad and say you know maybe it wasn't wasn't so perfect and i mean this the second point I, i'd like to make is like i actually do think the ucp are full of a bunch of fascists i think we can call them christo fascists that they're right. trying to use this similar model to protect the economic system in which they're embedded so we're seeing it related to the petrochemical industry but um you know i think they're using similar ways of doing this um you know it's very exclusionary it's very um elitist it's very patriarchal all these things so i actually do think there's an argument to be made that the UCP are fascists. But I don't think that, you know, the fact that this shows up in the curriculum is, you know, the the evidence that we all needed to prove right. this point, right? right? Like it's been in the curriculum for a long time. Yes. Both sideism is a much bigger problem than, than just this. Um, and what we need to do is have a bigger conversation about how we are implicated in that economic reality that they're trying to promote and how they're, you know, we can fight this fascism as it's rising at the same time. The, the UCP and its subconscious pro-fascist mindset which is really what it is because they don't walk around going yeah fascism's awesome right but it is as we've talked about many times on the show it's just a natural progression of capitalism especially under crisis blah 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 right so yes but i guess what i'm saying is that their existence in the first place is because of the 80 years of us telling each other that like it's not capitalism isn't the fucking problem. How we do things isn't the problem. It's just that they also decided to kill Jews too. That's why it was a problem is because these people were mean as well. They were, they were ruthless. Well, what the fuck are you talking about? We have done this. This is how our, our world is created. This is where we are now. We have committed these atrocities all over the globe, Canada, U.S., Germany, Britain, fucking anybody that's doing well in this shit is helping to keep the foot, like the pedal or like the foot on the throat of the rest of the world. So this is just how it works. And there would be no fascists, like almost fascists in 2021 without the environment that that cultivates that you know i love how you guys nod i'm like that's a great way to end the show probably well then. i'm this trying it, it totally could be i i was just waiting for jeremy to say something because he's been I, quiet i just feel like i jump in so i just sit here and wait <laughs> no no you're the you're the expert i'm just some i'm just some punk kid <laughs> with a microphone <laughs> in the newsletter and no social media to keep them to keep them <laughs> distracted yeah. yeah i just i just don't stimulated. like i i hate when 
I hate when the the left or the progress i hate i don't want to use the terms but whatever whoever's on the other side of this whole the ucp or bad argument right now i hate when the argument is presented in a way that it's just easy to throw back in their face like matt wolf's not fucking wrong he's an idiot but like when he when he tweets like yeah this has been around forever it's like yeah it has you can't pin this on them as like they just dis- like this this mindset that the UCP fascists have slipped this in under our noses. It's been under our noses our whole lives. That's why the UCP exists. That's the point of this. No, but if the UCP were in power, weren't in power, everything would be great. Right. Right. It, like it we're just, fine. Everything was fine right. until 2019. Like right. that's we all know that, right? right? Like there's and the reason that's powerful no- is that again in 2023, everything's gonna be fine. Like, like the, don't the worry. Liberal Party of Canada we'll be has been in charge for 75% of, of the like last hundred years. So if we sit here and talk about all the different things that Canada has done, you're crazy if you think that the LPC isn't just as bad and involved in this shit along the way. Just yeah, because they did Trudeau a, a can, good lot of it. <laughs> it doesn't. That doesn't mean that we're sitting here calling Justin Trudeau a fascist. We're saying that the the connection of our country to this system and the length of time in which we have been connected to it, and of course we are we're either we either have parties that want to expand it and make it worse, or we have parties that just want to keep the status quo going and let and like, but not one of our political parties is coming up saying like, uh, we can't just keep doing this forever. Well, I mean, the, the federal liberals and the, the, you know, provincial new Democrat and liberal governments are, you know, they're willing to make certain like tweaks. Right. But yeah, no, I, I mean, they, they, they have no capacity for, for self-reflection because they're the good guys. And well, everything they do that um, isn't is it's because the governing is complicated. Right. right. It, but and then when conservatives do similar things, it's because they're 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 wicked. Right. And um, yeah, I. Uh, um, this is find what scares that me about the insufferable. This is what scares me about the rise of fascism is that you can see how easy it is for this to happen because that we have no political parties pushing anything other than capitalism. They are all capitalist parties, our main political parties. So nobody is challenging capitalism as a system. And now capitalism is in crisis. So the only way for it to go is somehow to resolve this crisis. If we're not getting rid of it, we have to resolve the crisis. And you can see how easy it is to start blaming people or to start, um, you know, flexing our muscles a little bit or to start, you know, um, pointing to who's at fault and and how we're going to do this. You know, now I'm seeing it all the time with the rhetoric around China, for instance, that we're trying to turn them into an enemy so that maybe we can fight to save capitalism against those communists. You know, we're seeing it all the time against immigrants or refugee groups or foreign workers who aren't granted citizenship despite the amount of work that they do. You know, all of these things, you can see how it it so easily will burst into something that can turn into 
the mass genocide of millions of people like it's and that it's really scary watching it happen because all these liberals all these centrists all these people are just playing into the rise of all of this because the only other solution is actually to to fight against capitalism and and that's not going to happen right and right so now. and how are these people going to have jobs uh high paying jobs uh when we get rid of capitalism and and like because because the LPC or Justin Trudeau or anyone else is better than this or more moral than that, certain people attach moral high ground to them on default. Like oh well, they're just they're progressive people that always do the right thing for the people. Well, that's not fucking true. That's not true at all, right? And in fact, like everything we have that we like our whole safety net would have to be like forced had to be like we had to have somebody on the left stand up and and be loud enough that it heard that convince them that hey man you're gonna have to give people some health care and some education and some blah 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 right and benefits at work and these kinds of things so um like nobody was offering that shit from the liberal party uh before it was rammed down their throats and told that we're gonna revolt if we don't get it so anything that you actually enjoy in your life is something that we fought for to have and everything that stresses you out is the fucking system around you that's the capitalism that you live in <laughs> that's what you're forced to do so when when we when we talk about our curriculum is just by default never going to say a bad word about capitalism like that's not pro it's just a mistake to say that that's just pro nazis oh well they're pro nazis and that's not that's not entirely it like in, in that in, in that sense, we have always been pro-Nazi in this country. And, and if that's if that's the way you're looking at that, because we are definitely pro the Nazis economic economic system. And we know that we were totally OK with the way that they went about expanding that system. Right up until the moment that we decided we weren't. Yeah, and only really what because it was infringing on our ability to make more profits and expand our empires. Correct. So yeah, I right. mean it's it all comes back to this this capitalism. Poland and this, wasn't the first place the Germans invaded. Oh no, it right? took quite some time for us to be done. That's when we started giving a shit. So Absolutely. these are the these are important things, and and if we were to have proper teachings of our own history. We should include that the German economy was booming before the war, as long as we're including it in the context of they boomed because of this. The that and and that's sort of instead of creating this narrative that anyway capitalism booms is a good thing. Well, no, it's not. In fact, it requires some pretty shady shit in order to boom. I think every single time. I don't know. I like, certainly history would say. It, I mean, it seems that way to me. I mean, maybe somebody can point out a nice, ethical, wonderful way that it once expanded. But I mean, the reality of capitalism is that it's about exploitation and it's, right. you know, it's built on that basic 
assumption of oppression. You know, one person's going to succeed at this cost of another person. And so, you know, always it's going to be um, yeah. benefiting a small group compared to the large. And Right. And I've had people argue with me because they are, you know, capitalists are they're positive that that's the best way, you know, well, we could just regulate it. And then, all right, show me the regulations that have stopped the fucking inequality gap from spreading. Like I, I, you, I you can certainly show me parties and policies that have slowed that down. Right. But has like, has, is there a point in history where just like the poor were catching the rich in status because of policy Oh, well, you know, capitalism is okay as long as we this or as long as we that. Doesn't seem so, right? Like even in the richest countries in the world, half the half the population is fucked. <laughs> topic and any problem in the world, it almost always comes back to capitalism yeah. because it really is the whole, I mean, even just the whole way we think about our relationship to other people is built on a, a system of oppression and ex exploitation. Like we're always thinking about what we can benefit from somebody else's loss. You know, it's like, I mean, it's just a horrifying way to organize our society, but we have to be honest about it. If we're you ever going to deal losers. with this, no, you just can't, but we could all work together and all benefit. No, and I no, actually no, legitimately no, 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 no. Then there'd can. be no more winners. I know that's the we're problem. fucking winners. Like Canada is a winner. Yeah, we sure it's not are. our fault. We won. <laughs> I'm just is like, that's the only way you can possibly defend it. If you know the history. Like if you actually start learning the truth about things, if you still like, because you know, there's going to be people that are like, yeah, well, fuck them. We won. Well, but and we you deserve at least to have win. to be honest with that's yourself. That's the argument. That, yeah. That, yeah. That that's, that that's what you did. You didn't come here like, oh, well, we're just going to go like move over there and settle in on this empty vast. Anyways, we're going to end. Jeremy, you got anything else to add before we go? Anyways, you're on mute. Not related to this topic, but um, I am um, likely going to uh, cover the Cargill strike uh, for rank and file. Yeah, uh, They're hoping to send me uh, up to High River uh, next month. Um, if Down. Um, they do, well, up from where, oh, is High River south of Calgary? Yep. <laughs> you're going to have a tough time finding it. <laughs> GPS is your friend, my friend. Yeah, so, uh, sending me down to High River um, yep. to uh, cover the picket lines and write like a dispatch every day for them. Uh, they're going to be having a fundraiser soon to raise the money uh, to do so. So I would just say uh, to listeners, uh, keep your uh, eyes out for that. And if you have any uh, spare change, uh, send it to uh, rank and file. Put Facts. it in an envelope as change and send it in. Yeah. That'd be so hilarious. My wife, <laughs> so my wife sold a, a really gross looking plate for a buck 50 yesterday on the bidding battles. So there was an envelope with, a dollar fifty of cash in the ma in the mailbox when I got home. Like, what did you spend it on? I, I had to give it to my wife. It was her plate. What did she spend it on? I don't know yet. I'll ask her. I don't know. Bag of chips. Well, she I her I think she said like what they couldn't have just fucking rounded up to a toonie. So she was pissed that it was. <laughs> 
I'd like to say um, in regards to the, the Cargill strike, um, super solidarity to those workers uh, down there. They have put their lives on the line literally for us yeah. throughout this pandemic and have really, really suffered. And, um, you know, the framing in the media has been disgusting about the how we're all going to have to pay more for beef and oh, how yeah. horrible this is without Gross. any mention of like. Do you hear that? Death. There's gonna to be, be fair, though, the CDC, uh, the CBC did do a lot of great coverage of the situation there like last That's year fair. it was um, when that story and uh i think it was cp actually that did it and it was carried in the star mm. and ctv and all there but um also great coverage of it in uh the progress report and jacobin i uh um you know those are the stories i wrote <laughs> that was good coverage for sure yeah no but um there there i mean uh, like all of these issues, uh, there's good, great media coverage that slips through the cracks. But of course, there's also the atrocious media coverage that is made to keep advertisers happy. Um, and of course, Cargill is a massive company that makes a lot of money and they can afford to make their workplace safer for their employees. They just actively choose not to. So, uh, yes, I mean, you should go without saying solidarity with the UFCW 401 workers at Cargo who voted to strike. Uh, they're still working on hammering out a deal, which they have a few weeks to do. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I even need to uh, cover the picket line, but I, 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 you know, I have a sense of which way the wind's blowing and it's in favor of strike. My superstar had a superstore employees had the 97% strike vote and they just ratified. So you never know. Hopefully the, hopefully uh, the employer um, offers some, you know, basic fucking worker safety conditions. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you want to make it safe for workers, you have to slow down production and can't do that. Well, no, that's the whole, like you can only get faster people need it like now it has to be uh, and there's lots to do so yeah it's a fucked up situation i'm glad you're covering i'm, I'm looking forward to reading about it i hope that uh what a, whether it results in a strike or not as long as uh the workers um get what they need then um we'll be happy but uh we know that at the end of the day even what they need will be barely cutting it if that's what they get but um good luck to them good luck to you um Roberta, any last thoughts before I let you guys go? Nope. Yeah, sorry. I took the end of the episode and made it about me. It's okay. The beginning was about you too. Yeah, exactly. I was coming full circle. <laughs> I, I prefer when you like it. You might as well like tie it all in at the end. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's my mom's birthday yesterday. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go uh, hang out with Jean today. And Happy birthday, Jean. How's she doing? Yeah. She's doing pretty goddamn good considering. I mean, she's got these. I mean, she obviously she's not like running around the house or anything. And even the two stairs between her bedroom and the main floor can be a bit of a pain in the ass. So a lot of like she doesn't do a lot different at home than she was in the hospital. A lot of just laying in her uh, sleep number bed, recline that shit up and watch some CTV all day or whatever. But uh, she's hanging in. So anyway, uh, turned 71 yesterday. So couldn't be happier that uh you know 
she had this birthday based on the fact that she attempted to skip it a couple weeks ago. So anyway, uh, it's the time of the show where we thank those of our listeners who go way above and beyond anything we could ever hope for to the big red machine, to Dave Bond Miller, to Chris Sterwold, to Nicola DiNicola, and to Darius Beregard. We could not appreciate you guys more. To our other patrons and listeners, thank you guys so much for everything you do. We hope that uh, once you got into this discussion, you found it interesting today. Um, like I said, uh, you know, we, we, we can hate on the current government and also acknowledge the fact that uh, their existence is because of certain things, certain environments that have existed long before they did. Anyway, um, love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, yeah, peace. Bye-bye. Bye.